0: Well, hey, good morning, Heartland. How's everybody doing today? Good? Hey, if you are if you are here online or if you're here in the room, let's give it up for all of those who are watching online. Tell them we're glad that they're joining the service as well. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Brad, and I'm so grateful and privileged to get to serve as part of our, our leadership team of pastors here. And this, Heartland, I'm excited to introduce to you is my wife, my favorite person in the world here. Allison. <laughs> So'm uh, as you may recall, as you may recall we 're in a little bit of a transition right now, and i 'm living down here in, in uh, Kansas City and serving here at Heartland. My wife, Allison, is still up in Minnesota with our four children, a man in the fort up there she 's got the real work up there, taking care of all of them, but she 's down here for the weekend doing a little bit of house hunting. Uh, getting to meet some of the more Heartland folks and getting excited for what's ahead. So I wanted to take advantage of this time just for you guys to get to know a little bit of her because you got to know me a little bit. So I didn't tell you this, but I prepared a little bit of Q&A uh, for Allison. Oh. <laughs> That's okay. I did, I did tell her that I was going to do a little q and A. I I did not tell her what the Q&A would B, not even the not even the Q part of it. So, but I thought this could just be a kind of a fun way. Uh, okay, you okay you I'm, for game.
1: That? I'm game. I'm <laughs>
0: game. By the way, she's she's twice as much fun. She's the best part of the Herndons right here. So, <laughs> uh, so just a little bit. First of all, uh, you have a passion for music. Yes.
1: Well, I don't make the music.
0: But you have an appreciation. I love
1: music, and I love. Dancing to me.
0: <laughs> okay, so speaking of, that, that helps me for my first question. If you could be a backup dancer for any performing artist, present or past, who would you be a backup dancer for? Oh
1: my gosh, I'm not ready for that one. There's so many choices.
0: I know, it's hard. Just one. Um, you don't have to be, yeah.
1: Like maybe Whitney Houston.
0: Okay, all right.
1: Or Lionel Richie. Oh. Okay. Did he even have backup dancers? Like dancing on the ceiling? I don't know.
0: <laughs> How do you not have backup dancers for yeah. a song called Dancing on the Ceiling? So okay, Lionel Richie or uh, uh, yeah, I also Paula Abdul. I would throw oh, in there for gosh, you. Oh gosh, I, I
1: could, could totally back yeah. up Paula. I yes, <laughs> yes. Okay. So
0: uh, okay, so on the music front, okay. favorite karaoke song.
1: Okay, I was kind of ready for this one. Uh, it depends on if it's a solo or a duet, right? Because you gotta have you gotta be ready for anything. So I'm gonna say duet, preferably with with me, my main duet guy, would be "Ain't No Mountain High Enough."
0: Wh- uh, which part do I get?
1: The guy part. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay, I might have to learn that one.
1: Yeah. No, we know that. We, we told do? the kids we were gonna perform oh. it at their weddings for them. Oh. Yeah. They're really, they were really excited that. about that. If I did a solo, it would probably be we'll see. It would be like. I want to dance with somebody okay. by Whitney. Yeah. Dance. Or, yeah, okay. probably. That's probably going to be.
0: Okay, that's good. Um, okay, this is going to be a little bit of a turn. We're going to okay. go deep. We're going to go deep. Okay. This is a question that actually, um, say again, our middle school director tossed out to the middle school students this week. Um, and it's, what is one of God's favorite things about Allison Herndon? Okay, take a second. And maybe you think, like, what is one of God's favorite things about Allison Hernan? One of the ways that he's made you unique from other people?
1: Um, I think one of the ways that God has crafted me and something he really loves about me is how much I love people. And I do. I am also a teacher, so I love children as well. And um, I'd like to think I bring some excitement and fun and laughter and joy and maybe a little bit of dance. So I think that's something that God really likes about me. So
0: you love people and you love to bring a little bit of life and laughter into Absolutely. their lives. I can vouch for that. Yes. That's, that's, that's why I married you.
1: That and many other reasons, right?
0: Yes, yes that, one, <laughs> that's one of those. Okay, so this one, you know, we're in the series called the, the Journey Between, where we're talking about, uh, you know, when we live between God's promises and the promised land. We've been in this for a few weeks now. You guys have been watching online. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what are some of the ways that God has used those in-between seasons when you aren't where you were, but you aren't yet where you thought you were going to be? Um, how has he used that to to do something special in your life, to teach you something about yourself or him, just to make it useful in your relationship with him?
1: I mean, that is literally precisely where we are right now and so this sermon series has been really encouraging and also really like oh i've got a a lot of work to do um because we are very literally in a middle spot right now a middle place i mean i'm in one place with our kids and our dogs kind of wrapping up one wonderful and blessed part of our life and then anxiously awaiting being here together um, and starting something new here. So um, I have a lot of work to do. I'm not a super patient person, and I often want to make the plan and then tell God, like, here's what I'd like to have happen. Just join along with me, and it'll be great. When in reality, I feel like what what God is really showing me right now is, Allison, I have this perfect, beautiful adventure plan, and you need to just kind of hop on board with me. And that's, um, that's hard to do, that's hard to do. But um, it's also so, learning so much about myself and my walk with Christ, always, so.
0: Good answer, does that, does that work? Is that a good answer, Harlan? Yeah. <laughs> hey, good, good job. Um, so, yeah, we're excited that she and the kids are going to be coming down here. Just as we continue on with the service now, uh, a couple of now- just, just a couple of things I want to make sure you know about. First of all, if you, like us, are new or newer to Heartland and you're trying to figure out what's happening around here, what we want you to know above all is that what our heart beats for is, is that we don't want to be a, a church that's a bunch of walls or we don't think of church as a service or, you know, a time that we check in. We really think of it as a movement that you and I are all a part of. Uh, to help put Jesus, to help follow Jesus, and help other people find and follow Jesus too, and that comes when we, when we help one another put Jesus first in our life. And so, however, we can connect with you to tell you more to, about the opportunities that are available to help Jesus become more, uh, more of a priority, more important, take up more space in your life. Reach out to us. Drop a drop a, a note in the chat window. Say hi. Jump online. Find out about some things happening. If you're here in person, swing by the hub. We have people who would love to meet you. Come up after the service. Let us pray for you. And something going on. In your life. But one of the ways that we put Jesus first is just by living generously toward our community. And Mission Adelante is uh, really an organization, a ministry that was born out of Heartland uh, many years ago uh, that thrives on the generosity of others and thinks that when we live generously, it can impact communities. And we have an opportunity to do that coming up in May. Uh, we're going to have an opportunity for you to drop off any any items that you're looking to get rid of from your house and maybe gently use clothing items that could benefit from a second life. And so now is the time just to be cleaning out your closets. We can also help them by sorting those items between men's and women's and kids and bagging them up. And then May 23rd, uh, we're going to invite you to bring them back here. And that's going to stock the Mission Adelante Thrift, thrift Store. Uh, for their, the services that they offer to their community uh, up, up, up here in Kansas City. So uh, be thinking about that, be working toward that, pay attention as we have more opportunities to do that and also just to unleash our generosity and God's love out toward our community. But like I said, today we're gonna continue this series, uh, The Journey Between, and I'm excited that we have Steve Weatherford up to uh, share God's word with us. That's right. <laughs> Steve, uh, if you don't know, Steve was on staff here for a long time with our student ministry, and uh, I'm so excited that he and Amanda are still a part of Heartland because we get to not only follow Jesus with them, but also get to hear from him. So give it up for Steve as he comes up and shares with us.
2: I was driving down the road on a backcountry road in Kansas, Eastern Kansas, because we live there, and uh, I had this moment where, I don't know if this has ever happened to you before, but the creator God of the universe spoke to me. Pretty cool, huh? So let me give you a little more story. Where I'm driving, and I see a group of men on the side of the road. They're... um, They're not just men on the side of the road, they're actually picking up trash, and they're not just picking up trash, I think they have to be picking up the trash. They're wearing orange jumpsuits, they have matching uniforms, and I'm driving, it's hot out, it'd be like sweaty hot, nasty hot, 100 degrees, and I'm driving, and God speaks to me. And I know God spoke to me because I I literally had been in this season of listening and and practicing hearing from God. And God spoke to me in that moment and he said, stop. God says stop to me a lot because I do a lot of things and I try to make things work and God says stop to me. But in this moment he said, stop. That wasn't an audible voice, but it was in my head and I knew it was God speaking and he said, stop and ask them if they need a ride. See where the story's going? We'll get back to that in a minute, okay? I promise. I'm going to leave you on the hook there for a little bit. Well, first of all, thank you for having me up here. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk to you guys today about what God has been doing in my heart this week. Um, I'm excited to share some stuff that I think we're going to learn about who God is and his character, but also about ourselves and our character. So, can we go there and do that today? Yes. Yeah, so like Brad said, we're in this series, uh, the journey between, you know, we're talking about the promise and the promised land and getting there. And we pick up the story of Abraham. We've kind of been tracking the story of Abraham. We pick up with the story of Abraham, and Abraham is hanging out um, in the plains of, of the Jordan Valley with his stuff. He's got lots of tents, lots of goats, Lots of cows, lots of people, uh, servants, herdsmen. And he's also got his nephew in tow, Lot, okay? So Lot is tagging along with him. They've been very prosperous, just coming out of Egypt, and they have, they have made bank in Egypt. That's um, a funny story if you want to read about it. Probably in uh, Genesis chapter 12, Pharaoh really had a thing for uh, Abram's wife. Gave him a lot of goats, Okay? Can't blame the guy. Anyway, herdsmen are having issues. They're encroaching on each other's property, on each other's tents. The livestock are getting restless. The herdsmen are fighting. And finally, Abraham, or Abram at the time, has a conversation with Lot in Genesis chapter 13. It goes like this It says, Finally, Abram said to Lot, Let's not allow this conflict to become between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land on the right, I'll, or on the left, then I'll take the land on the right. If you put the land on the right, then I'll take the left. You go that way, I'll go this way. All right, we're good. We don't need to fight over it. There's lots of good land. Well, Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company With his uncle Abraham. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan, and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. I think the the author of this passage puts that part in there just so that we know that this was an intentional thing that Lot did. He made it a conscious decision, knowing what God would have him to do, and he moved in among these people that were going to be a problem and a temptation to him. See, Lot had this choice. He had this moment where he had a choice. Do I go this way, God's way? Or do I go this way, the other way? Back to my story. I am a professional Christian. I mean, I get paid to tell people about Jesus, so therefore I'm a professional Christian at the time, right? I'm driving in my minivan, it's empty, it's air-conditioned, it's cold, and God speaks to me. The creator God of the universe says, hey, stop and ask those guys if they need a ride. What would you do? I'm thinking, uh, I don't want to go to jail, I didn't see anyone with them too, which was weird. It was like, you know, I would expect to see some, like, southern sheriff with a hat and a whip or something, but no, no one was with them. And I had a very important church meeting to be at. And so I didn't do it. No, without a doubt, that God told me to do something, and I defiantly said no. What do you do with that? you guys ever been in that moment in your life? Where God says to do something and you don't do it? He says to go somewhere and you don't go there? Well, it's awkward that you haven't because I just told you guys I did and now I'm standing up here looking like an idiot. You know, they, they have a name for that. When God tells you to do something, you don't do it? It's called sin. Anybody ever heard of sin before? Yeah, honestly, we're going to talk about sin today a little bit. Is that all right? Because it's not something I like to talk about. It's probably not something you like to hear about. But we're going to talk about sin a little bit. There are a couple types of sins. There are sins of commission, and then there are sins of omission. Okay? So just think about, like, commit. You commit a crime. Sin of commission means you do something. You know, I I think of my my kids. Evelyn, our youngest, she's just, she's a lot sometimes. And as a baby, as soon as she could walk, she had this thing. She would walk by her brother, who was like two years older than her, and she would like walk by and just kind of look at him, and then whack him upside the head and keep walking. And Charlie, bless his soul, can get engrossed in things. And so he'd be like watching a show and not even see her coming. And part of me wanted to watch it, and part of me wanted to stop it, but that's just me. And she would just whack him. And I'd be like, Evelyn, you can't hit your brother. And we'd put her in her room in timeout, and then I'd be like, Charlie, you can't get beat up by a baby anymore. She's so little, and you're, you're, you can't. It got to a point where Evelyn would walk by her brother in the living room, and I'd be sitting there, and she'd look at me. And I'd look at her and I'd be like, Nch. and she'd look at her brother's head and she'd smack him and then go to her room. She was like, I, I know what the rules are. I'm just going to do it and then I'll put myself in time out. I'm willing to pay the price because it's so fun to hit my brother. I feel like I do that with God Sometimes. There's sins of omission, which, you know, I think of this story I just told you, where God told me to do something and I didn't do it. We do this every day, too. You ever drove by someone who's broken down on the side of the road and not helped them? Have you ever not loved a neighbor? Those would be sins of omission. Let me unhook Test, test. Hopefully that's better. So if we look at Scripture, um, in Deuteronomy, there's this, this great phrase, this, this thing that happens. It's what kids would have memorized. memorized Jewish, Good Jewish kids would have memorized it. And, it. and it really has helped me, in a lot of ways, understand the ways of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says this. You must diligently obey the commands of the Lord your God, all the laws and decrees he has given you. Do what is right... And good in the Lord's sight, and it will go well with you. Let me say that again. Do what is right in the in 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 the Lord's sight, so it will all go well with you. We used to have this phrase as parents, we don't say it as much anymore, but we used to say, it will go well with you if you do this. It will not go well with you if you decide to do that. And sometimes our kids still decided to do it. But there is this refrain that I see in Scripture, this dichotomy between blessing and curse, promise and destruction, life and death. It will go well, it will not go well. In fact, if I were to to just be bold and say it, I would say obedience equals going well. Obedience to God and His ways from Scripture equals blessing. Disobedience, if you have to look at the flip side, and I believe we do have to, disobedience equals curse. Obedience, blessing, disobedience, curse. Maybe there's another way to look at it. Uh, if, if there's a promise from God, obedience to God equals the promise uh, that there's destruction when you disobey. Life You know, God offers us this life, and then if we turn our backs on God in His way, we experience death. God wants to give us forgiveness. We even see in the Old Testament a payment for our, our sins and forgiveness. But if we don't receive that, if we don't accept it, we are still living in sin. So, Lot chooses, and he chooses poorly. And it does not go well for him. He's living in this town. Things are getting dicey. It's dangerous there. He actually ends up getting captured and has all his stuff stolen. Abram has to mount up a posse. And the regulators mount up and then they go and they get Lot back. Somebody got that reference. Thank you, you heathens, for getting the regulators mount up. But they, honestly, they go and they, they rescue Lot and get him away and it's like you'd think Lot would say, dang, dodged a bullet there. I should not be around these people anymore. I should move away from this place. And he doesn't. He like hunkers down. So then God decides I'm going to destroy this place and these two angels come to Abram and they're like, hey, we're going to destroy this city. And Abram's like, not good. Got a nephew there. Uh, what if like 50 people righteous people live there. Would you destroy it? And he's like, no. If there's 50 righteous people there, won't destroy it. And then Abram's like, Ah, you're not going to like this. But 40? Would you take 40? I'm not joking. If you read this passage, he's literally, he's like, one more time, you're not going to dig it, but 30? He whittles these angels all the way down to 10. He's like, if you find 10 righteous men there, would, would you save it? And they're like, yeah. Yeah, we'll save it. So they go on to town. Things get dicier, you can read about it, it's not very PG. And then the next morning, they spend the night there, the next morning they're like, it's going down. You guys have to leave now. In fact, let's jump over to uh, Genesis chapter 19. At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, get out right now or you'll be swept away in the destruction of the city. And lots like, ah, "I got to mow. <laughs> I should probably, you know, go get that go to that coffee meeting I have this morning." I, honestly, he's like dilly-dallying and um, When Lot still hesitated, the angels seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters, and they rushed them to safety outside the city. For the Lord was merciful. We see God being good in this situation. He's salvaging these people from this situation. It goes on to say that when they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, run for your lives. And don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountain or you'll be swept away. This is an intense moment. Angels are like running out of a city holding your hand, telling you to run for your lives and not stop. And I'd love to say that Lot ran for his life, but he didn't. In that moment, he's like, hey, um, actually, the mountains are kind of dangerous and I don't want to go there. So what about that little town over there? Could we go there instead? I mean, I, I, he actually stops and says this in the moment of impending doom, and God, in all of His mercy, with these angels, says, "Okay, fine. We'll spare that little town over there. Go there, but don't turn around. Don't go back. Run, and I, I can't do anything until you get there." So they're hauling it to this town, and something crazy happens. And I say crazy because we talk about it still. Jesus talked about it. Lot's wife, in all of this, turns around. I don't think she just turned around to look to see, like, what was going down. She wasn't, like, rubbernecking like we do with accidents. She turned around, like, to go back. And it says in Scripture that she turned into salt. Like, she turned into a pillar of salt. Crazy. Right? Is that weird? I know when I disobey God, I don't turn into pillars of salt. And you know, here's a little this is a freebie that won't cost you anything today. When I get hung up on why God did something or why something happened in Scripture, I could get really bent out of shape about that thing, but I'm not God. My wife thinks I think I am sometimes but I am not God, and I don't know how God works, and I may never understand why she was turned to salt. I think it's tragic. I think it's sad. I may not ever understand it. But I am human, and I do know if I put myself in her shoes some of those not good reasons why you would turn back. Right? I mean, can you think of some? What if she didn't think she needed to be saved from anything? That's a scary thought. Scarier is what if she didn't think she could be saved from anything? That does a little something in your heart about your identity. What if you don't think you're worthy of being saved? What if you don't think God can save you? I do know this, that there is this refrain that blessing comes from obedience to God. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. If I bless you, you will still have pain and suffering in your life. You will not get 500 camels when God blesses you always. I don't even know what I'd do with two camels. I could probably handle one. But it's not this... This prosperity gospel where it's like God blesses you, you get everything you want, and life is perfect. No, the blessing is relationship with God. The blessing is you're living in His ways, which is the best way to live your life. Likewise, if you experience pain and brokenness and suffering in your life, you are not necessarily cursed from God. You you live in a broken world. You live in a broken creation. What I'm talking about is if you defiantly turn your back on God and his ways, you will live a destructive, cursed life. I believe that. I hate to say it. It's true. It's a dangerous place to live. That's where Lot's wife found herself. Jesus spoke about it. He was talking to some Pharisees who were completely blind in their sin. He saw it. He was calling them out in their sin. And he says this in in, uh, Timothy. Or Luke, I'm sorry, it's in Luke. He says, remember what happened to Lot's wife. Remember that whole Lot's wife thing? He said, if you cling to your life, you will lose it and you let your life go, you'll save it. Jesus said this refrain multiple times throughout throughout the Gospels. Sometimes he mentions lost wife, sometimes he doesn't. But he's like, if you cling to your life, your old life, you're going to lose your life. It will not go well with you. If you let go, and because we know Scripture let God take over, it will go well with you. Do you guys see this dichotomy? Here's the deal. You might not know where you're going. Honestly, if I'm being honest with you guys right now, in my life, where God is leading me, where God has me going, I couldn't tell you. It's not because I don't want to know. I ask all the time. I just don't know. The same way, Abram didn't know where God was calling him to go. He was just asked to be obedient. And the beautiful thing about this, and you can write this down, because it's true, obedience does not require competency. God doesn't need you to know how to do something for you to be obedient. In that moment on the side of the road when there were men in suits God didn't need me to know how it would all shake out. And if I think back to that moment, and I I love that moment because it's a learning thing. I've, I've wrestled with this for years. God just asked me to ask them a question. God didn't ask me to give them a ride. And who knows what blessing I would have been, what I would have received, or what blessing they may have received from me stopping and asking a question. But I won't know because I was disobedient in that moment. I don't know where I'm going in my life. But I, I do know and I believe every single one of us in this room knows what God is calling us away from. Think about it for a second. There is sin in your past maybe, in your present, in your future that God is calling you away from that he wants to rescue you from. I do know that. And then we have a choice, right? To be obedient or not. I want to leave you with a, a, a passage from Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, it's, it's so powerful. I mean, if you need to close your eyes and listen to this passage... Put your hands out, receive it. Listen to this. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. That's why I'm standing here on this stage. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through me today. Through anyone else who proclaims this message to us, through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. I think of those angels pleading, come with us. Don't turn back. God wants to save you. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. See, Jesus does this really cool thing. He flips every stinking thing on its head. So when there's sin, through Jesus we are forgiven. When there is Curse, Jesus was cursed so that we could be blessed. When there's destruction, Jesus was destroyed, literally, so that we could experience the promise of God. He died on a cross so that we could experience life. Here's my question for you, and we're going to sing and close out, but what is God calling you away from? What's he asking you to not look back on that is destructive in your life? Easy light question, right? The easy light question is, what are you gonna do about it? And I know and I believe his grace is sufficient for any, anything that you're leaving. So come up, pray with somebody, let someone know. My, my guess is there's some hard things people don't even wanna talk about. Be brave, because God is good. And his blessings are for you, amen.